The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. At that time, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way, together with Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and to others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we also will come with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. When it was already dawn, Jesus was standing on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered him, no. So he said to them, cast the net over the right side of the boat and you will find something. So they cast it and were not able to pull it in because of the number of fish. So the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tucked in his garment, for he was lightly clad, and jumped into the sea. The other disciples came into the boat, for they were not far from the shore, only about a hundred yards, dragging the net with the fish. When they climbed out on the shore, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter went over and dragged the net ashore full of 153 large fish. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they realized it was the Lord. Jesus came over and took the bread and gave it to them and in like manner the fish. This was now the third time Jesus was revealed to his disciples after being raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon Peter answered him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Then he said to Simon Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was distressed that Jesus had said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Amen, amen, I say to you. When you were younger, you used to dress yourself and go where you wanted. 
But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. He said this signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had said this, he said to him, follow me. The Gospel of the Lord. This is one of my favorite gospel passages. So look out. When I was studying in Rome and getting ready to come back home, I had the opportunity to go to the Holy Land right before I returned. And one of the places that we went was this place on the Sea of Galilee where the scene unraveled. And it is one of the places that historians say this is actually the place. We have certainty that this is actually the place. And I remember standing in the Sea of Galilee, had my shoes off, my feet in the water, having the same dialogue with Jesus. When he said to me, Sean, do you love me more than these? Jesus doesn't call me father. (laughs) And it led me into a sort of profound meditation because I was thinking about Peter in that position. And we know that Peter, when he first met Jesus, was in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus entered into his boat and started to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And Peter, sitting there listening to Jesus preach the gospel of the kingdom, started to feel the weight of his own sinfulness. And he said to him, depart from me because I'm a sinful man. You shouldn't even be in my boat. And in his mind, he's probably thinking about all of the sinful things that he's ever done in his life. And how is it possible that this person, Jesus, has just entered into my sinful life? And Jesus looked at him and he said, come with me and I will make you a fisher of men. And he called him. But I sort of imagine Peter following Jesus being like many of us who we feel unworthy of being called to proclaim the gospel. We feel unworthy of being loved by God. And so we sort of go along the path, but yet our old sins are constantly haunting us. And we have doubt. we like, am I really called to this? Or uh, if people really knew about my life, they would probably say I was a hypocrite. People really knew about my life, they'd probably say, who are you to tell me anything? People really knew about my life. They wouldn't listen to me. And so Peter goes along the way, and he's the first person to affirm that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
Then about three lines later in scripture, it says, Peter's, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Peter has the privilege of being called to be a witness to Jesus at the transfiguration, says, let us build three booths and stay here. And Jesus says, no, we're going back down. You're wrong. Peter says, I will always be faithful to you. Jesus says, you will deny me three times. No, Lord, it can't be so. He does. And so at a certain point after the resurrection, Jesus had already appeared to Peter twice, and Peter says, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to the way my life used to be. I'm just going to go back to my life as a sinner. How many of us ever feel like, I'm just going to go back to my life as a sinner? And so he says, I'm going fishing, and he goes out. It's like the weight of his sinfulness becomes too heavy to answer the call that our Lord has put on his heart. Maybe the weight of his own shame becomes too heavy to answer the call that our Lord has invited him into. Or he feels unworthy. And our Lord takes him aside and he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? These what? Do you love me more than all of this sinfulness that you're still condemning yourself for over and over and over and over and over again? Do you love me more than your past life that you used to have? Sometimes we can have nostalgia for our sinful life. Do you love me more than your past life? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. As if to say to him, I know who you are and I'm asking you to feed my sheep anyways. I know all of that and I'm asking you to feed my sheep anyways. Then he says it again. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Finally, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. The sort of surrender. Lord, you know everything. You know who I am. You know my whole life. You know that I love you. And Jesus says to him again, feed my sheep. I'm calling you to do this anyways. I'm calling you to do this anyways. And then he becomes a great evangelizer. And then he has no shame to proclaim the gospel to thousands and they're baptized. He's able to finally let go of his sinful past in order to embrace the amazing life that our Lord has called him to. No, this dialogue is a dialogue for all of us. For all of us. We just came through Lent. We've celebrated Easter, we've renewed our baptism, and some of us might be having nostalgia for our old way of life. Maybe for Lent we gave up television and now we're having nostalgia for Netflix binging. I just wanna go back to the days when I watched Netflix all day. And our Lord is saying, feed my sheep anyways. I have called you to something new. 
This last week, I had the most amazing experience. And so, I want to share some of my joy. And, um, and so many of you know that there's a particular lens for evangelization that I have operated in. And it really involves like preaching about the love of God, but using the current cultural crisis to do so. And so I give a lot of talks about the dark places on the internet, but those are just a vehicle to evangelize about love, the call to conversion. And so about a year and a half ago, I got a call from Josh McDowell Ministries. And Josh McDowell is like a famous evangelical Protestant evangelist. He goes around the world. He's sold millions of copies of books. He was very involved with Campus Crusade for Christ. Some of you might remember Campus Crusade for Christ coming to you when you were in college and trying to get you to not be Catholic anymore. And he calls me and he says, I'm going to put together a global summit to educate and empower pastors from all churches to confront the current cultural crisis, to really confront the dark places on the internet. And I heard that you're the person in the Catholic Church. Are you the person? I'm kind of freaked out a little bit. Because part of my own life is I grew up in that culture before I became a priest, and I've, I had this dialogue with our Lord, like, do you want me to evangelize about this? Because I'm afraid that people will find out that when I was in college, this is how I was. And then finally, our Lord said to me enough time, yes, I want you to do this anyways. And so I said, yes. So I show up at this conference. I'm the only priest presenter among 35 presenters. I'm in a room full of, like, Christians who don't think Catholics are Christians. I'm walking around and I feel like, I don't know, I had a friend of mine who once said he felt like a fly in a bowl of milk. It's kind of how I felt. And people were kind of looking at me. And then I got up and I presented on John Paul II's teaching about love and relationality. And how the heart of the gospel is the call to conversion, especially those who have been affected by the current cultural crisis in the area of human sexuality. And I watched the crowd listen to me and go from kind of this to this. Okay, I'm taking notes now. 20 minutes in, like this. And at the end, everybody was really loving on this priest. And for two days, other Christian pastors who have a zeal for this topic were coming up to me and saying, Father, can I talk to you? I need to ask your forgiveness because I was judging you when you got walked out on stage. And you brought the gospel to us as much or more than any of the other speakers Father, you healed my relationship with the Catholic Church because when I was a kid, I was really wounded by my pastor when I was Catholic. 
Father, I didn't know Catholics could be Christians. Thank you for your witness to this. And it was an amazing moment. And then at the end of the conference, this very well-known, world-known evangelist gets up and sort of draws attention to the fact that he brought a Catholic priest in and then quoted the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops in front of the whole evangelical Protestant world. It was an amazing moment of reconciliation, of Christian unity. And I'm still in awe of that gift. And we have a great gift to give to the world. We have the most beautiful, most profound, most amazing theology of love and marriage and family life that can be used to evangelize and bring healing to the culture and to the church. And it's something that all of us have a responsibility or a calling to reveal to those that we encounter each day. And the biggest obstacle to proclaiming that gospel of encountering Jesus the truth about who we are as human persons, as beloved sons and daughters of the Father, the biggest obstacle is when we're attached to our own sinfulness from the past and we can't let it go and we can't believe that Jesus really wants to transform it and use it to heal the culture. And so as we're in this third Sunday of Easter, I invite you to reflect on what our Lord has done in your own life and the healing our Lord has brought to your own life if you still need healing in your own life, to seek that healing because our Lord wants nothing more than to bring you joy, to bring you life, to bring you happiness, and to allow His life and His joy and His mercy to radiate through you, to build bridges, to knock down walls, And to bring that same healing and mercy and life to everyone that we encounter.